You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN Energy's daily blog, the oil and gas industry's go-to source for insight. Every day, we cover commodity fundamentals, industry changes, and developing trends across energy markets. And now, we're making it easier than ever to enjoy our blogs. Whether it's on your drive into work, while you're at the office, or at home walking the dog, settle in, turn the volume up, and enjoy. Monday, October 26, 2020. Much too much. Distillate glut challenges U.S. refiners but offers contango opportunity. Published by Sandy Fielden. For the past several months, U.S. refineries have been producing more distillate than demand warrants, resulting in a glut of distillate fuels, especially ultra-low sulfur diesel and jet fuel. The disconnect between supply and demand has been particularly stark in the Gulf Coast region, where just a couple of weeks ago distillate stocks sat 39% above their 10-year average after coming perilously close to tank tops in August. The culprit, of course, is COVID-19, or more specifically the effects of the pandemic on air travel and the broader economy. Demand for motor gasoline rebounded more quickly than demand for ULSD and jet fuel, and refineries churned out more gasoline to keep up, but that results in more distillate too. Now, finally, there are signs that distillate stocks may be easing back down. Today, we discuss the buildup in ULSD and jet fuel stockpiles, the ways they might revert to the norm, and the potential for storing distillate now and selling it at a higher price later. This blog is based on research from Morningstar Commodities. The collapse in crude oil prices earlier this year and COVID-19's negative effects on demand for refined products put an unprecedented squeeze on U.S. refiners, a topic we first discussed back in March in Strange Brew. The net result was a miserable second quarter for the refining sector. As we said in Where Are You Going, not only did refiners produce less diesel, motor gasoline, and jet fuel in the April through June period than any quarter in recent memory, their refining margins were sharply lower than the historical range, a one-two punch that hit their bottom lines hard. Refiners' troubles didn't end there. Persistently high distillate inventories this year are compounding refiners' woes by weighing on product prices and constraining processing levels. Total U.S. distillate stocks have been at or near record territory since April, according to weekly data from the Energy Information Administration, EIA, and only dropped below their seasonal 10-year high at the end of September. Total inventory of 172 million barrels on October 2nd was 44 million barrels higher than this time last year, but down about 1 million barrels per week from a peak of 180 million barrels in early August. The 172 million barrels in storage represented 48 days of supply based on implied demand of 3.6 million barrels per day. Total U.S. working storage capacity for distillates is 218 million barrels, according to an EIA survey from March 31, 2020, meaning that storage was 79% full as of October 2. Distillate stockpiles have been falling since then, however. In its most recent report, EIA said that the U.S. inventory stood at 161 million barrels per day as of October 16, after posting one of the biggest two-week declines in recent memory. The sharp drop may have been an anomaly, perhaps tied to reporting delays and or the effects of hurricanes, such as refinery shutdowns in advance of the storms that trim supply or increase diesel use in post-storm cleanups. Distillate stockpiles vary by pad district. At this time of year, inventories are typically building in pad 1, or the East Coast, where distillate is still used in about 5 million homes for heating, mostly in the Northeast. Pad 1 distillate stocks remain unseasonably high at 60.6 million barrels as of October 16, minus 20% above their 10-year average, but well below a 10-year high set in 2010 and 6.2 million barrels below their recent peak of 66.8 million barrels in July. Based on the EIA storage survey, 
had one working distillate capacity of 79 million barrels is about 77% full at the moment. Elsewhere across the U.S. distillate inventories are close to year-ago levels in Pad 4, or the Rocky Mountains, and close to 10-year average levels for this time of year in Pad 2, or the Midwest, and Pad 5, or the West Coast. The brunt of the distillate build this year was in Pad 3, or the Gulf Coast, a region that encompasses more than half the nation's refining capacity. The current stockpile of distillate in Pad 3 sits at 54.5 million barrels, which is down 9% from October 2nd but still 14.2 million barrels higher than this time last year. Gulf Coast inventories have retreated about 8 million barrels since mid-August, when they topped out at 62.4 million barrels, just shy of the 63 million barrels of working storage indicated in EIA's March survey. Such a near-miss to actual tank tops seems implausible. In all likelihood, there was still breathing room given that estimates of available capacity vary depending on how much non-commercial storage is included and exactly how working storage is estimated. Nevertheless, distillate inventory in Pad 3 remains unusually high. While the distillate stockpile in Pad 3 fell in the first half of October, the oversupply is still high enough to weigh on refining margins and refiners will seek to restrain production until the surplus is reduced further. Now we consider some possible remedies for the Gulf Coast distillate glut. First, produce less distillate. The fastest way to reduce distillate inventories is to stop making it. However, distillate isn't made in a vacuum, it's refined from crude oil, and the refining process also produces gasoline and other products. Since gasoline stocks aren't as robust as distillate, refiners still have to produce gasoline to keep pace with demand, and processing crude to make gasoline produces distillate, as well, adding to the glut. Refiners have some flexibility to maximize gasoline but it's an inexact science and varies with crude type and refinery configuration. The distillate fraction of crude oil is mostly blended into ULSD for road and rail transport, another 10% of typical U.S. refinery yield is jet kerosene, or jet fuel. Amid coronavirus fears, air travel demand has cratered, causing refiners to add jet kerosene to the distillate yield, exacerbating the glut. Refiners continue to process less crude than normal but, in doing so, they run the risk of running down gasoline stocks to fix the distillate surplus. The cycle of low runs and low margins is hemorrhaging refiners' cash flow. Second, store distillate for later sale. Aside from the real threat of running out of storage capacity, placing excess distillate into commercial storage is currently the most attractive strategy for refiners. That's because the ULSD market is in contango where prices in the future are higher than prices today. The October 2021 CME NYMEX ULSD futures contract for New York Harbor settled at a $5.36 per barrel contango over prompt November 2020 delivery on October 21st. The equivalent 12-month contango for Gulf Coast ULSD swaps was $5.23 per barrel on the same day. Refiners with access to storage could sell October 2021 ULSD futures contracts and store the product until then for delivery. The strategy requires access to storage capacity and that incurs a cost, but selecting a shorter period and timing the contango trade could improve returns. There's a potential catch, though. Pad 3 distillate storage is almost 87% full as of October 16th. That increases storage costs and the risk that contango profits won't cover the cost of storage. An alternate strategy would be to ship distillate from the Gulf Coast to the East Coast and store it there. The advantage is that storage capacity is greater in Pad 1 and only 77% full. Refiners can also expect demand for distillate to recover during the coming winter, pushing local prices higher in the Northeast heating oil market by January and February 2021. Transportation costs by pipeline are about $2 per barrel and storage would only be for a shorter period. Third, trim retail ULSD prices to boost local sales. 
demand for distillate within PAD3 represents about 22% to 25% of total U.S. consumption, according to EIA data. Although local sales of ULSD haven't suffered significantly during the pandemic, growth in diesel demand is usually associated with increased oil and gas activity, and that won't happen until crude prices recover. Retail and wholesale price data indicate that refiners and distributors aren't discounting diesel heavily to individual or fleet truck drivers. At the retail level, ULSD prices are higher than gasoline across the country despite being lower than gasoline at the refinery gate and wholesale levels. Drivers are used to paying more for diesel and distributors are reluctant to sacrifice that premium for increased sales at lower prices. Fourth, use more ULSD in the bunker market. One potential home for the ULSD glut is the very low sulfur fuel oil or VLSFO marine bunker fuel market. Shipping fuel is blended from the bottom of the barrel and is almost always cheaper than refined products like diesel. Since the IMO regulatory change on January 1 requiring lower sulfur fuel oil, blending ULSD with heavier fuel oil to make the mandated VLSFO for marine use is one option for suppliers. That only makes sense if ULSD is cheaper than VLSFO. That's not usually the case, but the distillate glut has appended that norm since mid-August. Gulf Coast ULSD traded at an average $1.40 per barrel discount to VLSFO between September 1 and October 21, opening up a window to blend ULSD into ship bunkers. We should point out that while there is no evidence of this happening on a large scale due to low bunker demand at the moment, it remains a possibility while the ULSD VLSFO arbitrage is open. Fifth, export more distillate. Traditionally, diesel exports have driven incremental distillate sales from Gulf Coast refineries. Exports from PAD 3 more than doubled during the last decade, from 0.5 million barrels per day in 2010 to 1.1 million barrels per day in 2019. That period of growth ended during the second quarter of this year, however, when exports fell 23% compared with 2019. Overseas sales recovered in July but are constrained by the global scale of the distillate glut and ongoing low demand in the Central American market, a key outlet for PAD 3 distillate. Sixth, increase the power burn. A less obvious home for surplus distillate is the power market. Nationwide, more than 3,600 commercial, industrial, and utility generators with a nameplate capacity of some 37 gigawatts can burn diesel. These generators consumed 20.4 million barrels, or 56,000 barrels per day, in 2019. But during the winter of 2019 to 2020, diesel fire generation accounted for just 0.2% of U.S. energy production due to its high cost and low plant efficiency. The New England power market is the most reliant on diesel fire generation if supplies of natural gas are interrupted or constrained. Realistically, Plan economics would likely limit any increase in diesel fuel oil fire generation. According to EIA data, typical diesel generation plants have an operating efficiency of about 28%, meaning that only 28% of the heat generated is converted to electricity. That compares with about 45% efficiency for a modern natural gas combined cycle plant. The cost to generate 1 megawatt hour, or MWH, of electricity in a gas plant is $18.95 per MWH with gas at $2.49 per million BTU. The equivalent cost for a diesel plant is $92.74 per MWH, based on $1.15 per gallon ULSD. Diesel prices would have to fall at unlikely 80% to 23 cents per gallon to compete with natural gas and divert surplus diesel to power plants. Seventh, pray for a hard winter. A cold winter in the Northeast would really help to soak up the U.S. distillate glut. As we mentioned earlier, Gulf Coast refiners can transport distillate to the East Coast to benefit from higher winter prices and the contango market. 
a colder-than-usual winter would pull distillate supplies into the northeast from other regions and help to burn up the Gulf Coast's surplus. Notably, cold weather is pandemic-proof in that it stimulates heating demand regardless of whether there are further lockdowns or stay-at-home policies. Unfortunately for the distillate market, current long-term forecasts are predicting a warmer-than-normal winter in the northeast, with the best hope for a colder snap not occurring until March. This year's combination of low demand and low prices has battered the U.S. refining sector and the distillate glut is a stumbling block to recovery. Contango storage strategies appear to offer the best hope for refiners to profit from the situation, but that won't reduce the stockpile clogging up their operations. The traditional export market is closed by low demand overseas, and less obvious alternatives like blending ULSD into VLSFO aren't having a material impact on the surplus. Wholesalers and retailers so far are reluctant to slash diesel prices, which would likely trim stocks. As for the hope that a very cold winter in the Northeast will help, only time will tell. For the moment, it seems that refiners, like many other businesses struggling through the pandemic, will need to wait for relief from a vaccine. Speaking of refineries, RBN will soon be launching a new weekly report, U.S. Refinery Billboard, that will provide an unprecedented view into the economics and operations of domestic refineries. For more information on the report, visit the blog today on our website rbnenergy.com. Much Too Much was written by Pete Townsend and appears as the fifth song on side one of the Who's debut album, My Generation. Personnel on the record were Roger Daltrey on lead vocals, Pete Townsend on guitar and backing vocals, John Entwistle on bass and backing vocals, Keith Moon on drums, and Nicky Hopkins on piano. My Generation was recorded between April and October of 1965 at IBC Studios in London, with Shel Talmy producing. The 12-song LP was released in the U.S. in December 1965, but failed to make the Billboard Top 200 album chart. Two singles were released from the LP including My Generation, which rose to number 74 on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles chart. It is ironic that the album was a commercial failure at the time of its release. Many critics have retrospectively rated it as one of the best rock albums of all time, citing it as a precursor to punk rock and heavy metal. The Who are a British rock band formed in London in 1964 by Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey, John Entwistle, and Keith Moon, who replaced Doug Sandham on drums. They have released 12 studio albums, 14 live albums, 4 soundtrack albums, 26 compilation albums, 4 EPs and 58 singles, and have sold more than 100 million records worldwide. The Who are members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and UK Music Hall of Fame, and were the first rock band to receive Kennedy Center honors. Keith Moon died in 1978 and John Entwistle in 2002. Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey have carried on with The Who with various members and touring musicians. The band released its latest studio album, Who, in 2019. The Who were last on tour in February 2020, with many dates having to be cancelled due to COVID-19. They plan to resume touring in March 2021. This has been the RBN Energy Blogcast. Thanks for listening.